Hi, I'm Bruce Bartow, the chaplain here at Kim Ray, and we are doing a series that I have called Foundations, and today we're going to look at another uh, lesson in that series, so let's jump in. Well, this week we're going to look at um, what I promised you last week. Some of, we're going to start looking at the resources that were given to us by Christ at the time of our new birth and what that means for us as children of God. Today, we're going to talk about being joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which really is blank as the next several sessions that we're going to do uh, in revealing through Scripture the things that um, God has given to us as his children. You know, whatever God gave to his son, Jesus, also belongs to us because we are a joint heir with him. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is an interesting subject. It's pretty hotly debated in some circles, and that's what kind of nature does a child of God have? Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17 to get us started. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I heard a gentleman explaining the Greek meaning of the word new creature. You know, if, if I lost uh, a pencil, I could get a new pencil. Or I could get a new writing instrument like this ballpoint pen which would be something I could write with, but it would be completely new. It would be a totally different type of writing utensil. Well, that's the word that's used here for new creature. The new creature a person becomes when they're in Christ is different than what they were and even different than what Adam was. And we'll show you that here in just a few minutes. So you become a new creature. Well, what is that? Well, some people have felt like well, you get a new nature. Uh, you now have this relationship with God. You're born again. You're a new creature. But you also drag around your old nature, which would make us a creature <laughs> with two natures, both a sinful nature and a godly nature. And people have tried to describe it, you know, as two dogs, and the one you feed is the one who wins. Um, and I've heard a lot of different explanations for it. But if you think about it, that would make us the only creature in all of God's creation that actually has two natures. Um, <clears throat> when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the image of God. And he looked at it and he says, that's very good. They didn't have two natures. They just had one, a nature like God's. But then they chose to believe lies, not trust their father, and they were lost to life, and they fell, and they received a new nature, just like he told the Pharisees one day, Jesus did, you are of your father the devil, because he was a liar from the beginning. All right, so, like we looked at on that chart a few weeks ago, in the fall of man, we began to live out a life as human beings consistent with this new fallen nature that we received through Adam <clears throat> because he was our father and we have a nature like our father's well then 
if Jesus comes into your life and you believe in the gospel and you receive a new, you become a new creature in Christ, a new creation, um, just as the choice to follow after Satan gave Adam and Eve a new nature, which they passed on to everyone else, because we were born in Adam. When we are born again in Christ, we receive a new nature, which I want to talk, just talk about just for a moment, because it seems like if we say that the power of sin was able to completely eradicate a godly nature that we had before sin entered the world, but we say that if a person accepts Christ, that they retain their old sinful nature along with their new godly nature, then we're saying that the blood of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit and his indwelling presence in us is not as powerful as sin. Because sin was able to eradicate the whole old nature which they had when they were created. In reality, when you accept Christ, the power of God unto salvation is cleansing you from sin, counting you as righteous, and that means having looked at the person and determined them to be righteous, God now says that's who you are. And the power of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation is even more powerful than the power of sin. So, we're going to talk about some today. Well, then why do I keep sinning? Why do I keep doing things inconsistent with what God desires from me as his child? I believe we can see that and understand it without having to consider ourselves to be like two people in one body, an old sinful person and a new righteous person. Um, so we'll look at that here in just a moment. So I believe the power of God eradicates, you know, through Jesus Christ and dwelling Holy Spirit that we receive at the point of salvation is able to eradicate the old sin nature. But we still remember it, and we'll talk about why in just a moment. In 1 Peter 1, 23-25, it says this, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. So think of this new birth process. You know, when a baby is born, an egg receives a sperm, and boom, there you go. A, a new life is created at the point of conception. But when we receive the word of God and it impregnates us, if you will, with the truth of God's word and we have faith in what God has said, which is the opposite of what they did in the garden when they didn't trust what God has said, something takes place. We are born again, not of seed that can become perishable. You know, I like the King James where it says, not corruptible, but incorruptible. It can't be corrupted. That, that process of new birth creates a whole new being. Second Peter, verse 1 through 4, 
To those who have received the faith of the same kind of ours, by the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace be, and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. When you accept Christ, you become partakers of the divine nature. You receive a brand new nature. Again, why do we still keep doing things that look like we have an old nature? Well, if you remember, you know, we'll look at this slide again, where it talks about, you know, at, at creation, man had a connection with God, but it was external. And then they were separated from God by sin. But when they were restored to relationship with God through Christ, yeah, they have fellowship with God, but God has moved on the inside. He's actually taken up residence inside of us. And we'll talk a lot about that as the weeks go on. What does that really mean to have union with Christ, to be in uh, a bonded relationship with him? Well, another thing I'd like to look at are some of the commands he's given us as new believers. And he's given us a few. You know, Jesus gave us one new commandment, and that was to love others as I have loved you, he said. Well, in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21, it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address as Father, that's very important, the one who impartially judges each man's each one's work, conduct yourselves with fear during your time of stay, the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal life you inherited from your forefathers, the Adam life, but with precious blood, as of the Lamb unblemished and spotless in the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, that's a long passage, but there's a couple of things in here. He says, if you address his father, if God is your father, well, just before that he says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, the world has taught us that you have to do something to be something. God's economy is completely backwards to that. It's actually the right way around. He says you have to be something to do something. We cannot be something that we are not. One way I love to illustrate that you know, if, if I were to tell you that you needed to go to the other side of town and the way you had to get there was to flap your arms and fly over there, well, you can sit there and flap your arms or stand there and flap your arms all day long and you're not going to go anywhere. All you're going to get is tired arms and shoulders, right? Because you're not a bird. 
Now, if I could give you wings, if I could change your nature, you could learn to fly with those wings. You know, when a baby bird is conceived, it's a bird. When it's in the shell, it's a bird. When it hatches, got these stubby little things that stick out with no feathers, it's a bird. And one day it's going to grow feathers, and its mom or dad's going to teach it how to fly. Now, it does not become a bird when it learns how to fly, but it learns how to fly because it is a bird. Now, why do I say that? When God says to us, you shall be holy for I am holy, he's not telling us what we need to become. He's actually telling us what we are. But just like the bird, when it's in the shell, when it first hatches and all that, it can't fly. But one day it will fly because it's a bird by nature. Well, when you were born again, when you were conceived of the Holy Spirit, when you received the implanted word which is able to save your souls, the Bible says, you became a child of God with a nature like his. Trouble is, you didn't know how to really express any of that, and neither did I. So there's a process of growing and maturing that reveals who we are. It doesn't determine who we are. Now, why is that really important to understand? Well, because if I look at myself as being identified by my actions, then one day what I'll probably do, if not every day, is say, well, then I must not be a child of God, or I must be really crummy at this, or God must not like me, or it didn't really work for me, or something like that, because I am not perfect in my behavior. I don't live exactly the way God lives if I let my behavior determine my identity. But what if I begin to do it the other way around, let my identity determine my behavior? So then I get to know my Father because He is the Holy One. And if I've been born again of seed that's incorruptible, imperishable, the living abiding Word of God, then I've got a nature like His, and He's helping me grow up into that stature the Bible talks about. So just as we inherited a nature from Adam being born in his line, we also inherited a nature from our Heavenly Father being born in him. Okay, and just as the godly nature they had at creation was completely eradicated by sin, whenever a person is born again, the ungodly nature is completely eradicated by the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the way we're built as human beings is interesting, and we'll look at the nature of man some more, but just think of it. You had this marvelous gift between your ears. It's called a brain. Now, the brain is actually part of the body. It's not part of the soul. It's just a hard drive that stores information, or in my case, it's more like a floppy disk. Okay, so it's just in my head, and it's got all this information that I've been collecting throughout my stay on planet Earth. We learn stuff when we're still in the womb, they have found out. And then we're born, and then somebody back in my day jerked you up by the heels and smacked you on the bottom. So the first thing you experienced on planet Earth was getting smacked, and you hadn't even done anything as far as you knew. And so we begin learning immediately about life, and we begin storing that information in our brains. Okay, now that I'm a child of God and I've got a new spirit and a new nature, I have the ability to access information from lots of sources. 
okay, the world around me. I have eyes, I can see. You know, people who don't have eyes, they can still hear stuff usually and so forth. So we're collecting information around us, all right? So we see things, we hear things, we smell things and touch things and taste things and all that, our, our five senses. And the brain is storing that information. And some of that, those experiences are pleasant and some of them are not pleasant. Some of them are fun and some of them are horrendous. They're just terrible. We don't ever want to experience that again. So we're storing all that information. We're learning how on planet Earth, how do you survive? Well, with this group, you have to do certain things, but with that group, you can't do those things. You have to do something totally different. And we begin storing all that information. And we develop a system of beliefs based on our experiences that help us survive planet Earth. This is how I get my best deal, or the least amount of pain, or people to like me, or at least to avoid people who hate me, or whatever, and we begin storing all this information in our brains. Well, when, when a person gets saved and they have a new nature, they still have access to that brain. And the brain doesn't know right from wrong, it just knows info. It just gives you what it's got. And so I, I experience a situation in front of me, my brain tells me what it has stored on the subject, the world around me is giving me input on what it thinks about the subject and the people around me. Uh, the Holy Spirit in me wants to give me his input on the subject and then I have to make a decision. And depending on how strongly I feel about the situation, whether I'm scared or angry or happy or whatever I'm feeling then, I will make a choice to live a certain way. Now those choices always have consequences. You know, we don't get to pick and choose between I'll take this choice and that consequence. No, there's a certain consequence that goes with the choice we make. And we live our lives that way, trying to determine, just like they did in the Garden of Eden, what does it mean to live life based on experiencing good and evil, those things that are pleasant, those things that are not pleasant. And how do I maximize pleasure and minimize pain? And we, this whole system of beliefs that we tend to live by, that our brain is offering every second of the day, is flawed. It's flawed by the world system. It's flawed by our own lack of ability to determine what really is good and evil. You know, the Bible tells us to cling to what is good and abhor what is evil, but we've got to figure out what it is. Well, more importantly, we need to follow the one who is completely informed. And so that's where he is leading us. So just briefly, I'm opening up a new topic here that will expand in the weeks to come. That if I wanna change my behavior, that's on the surface, I need to trace it down to its cause, which is at the root and the foundation of that behavior. Well, why do we do what we do? Well, we made it choice to do that? Why do we choose to do it? I believe it's because something motivated us to do it. We felt strongly about the circumstances we were in, and so we chose to live a certain way. Okay, well, why did I feel that way? Well, it's what I thought about my circumstances. That's why two people don't always think the same. Have you noticed that? That's because they don't always believe the same. 
So what you and I believe about life, about ourselves, about circumstances, about other people, about what makes a person valuable or not, those beliefs determine how we think about our circumstances. How we think about our circumstances creates emotions in us. When the emotion gets strong enough, we choose a certain action. All right, so if I want different actions, it's good for me to understand that the choice won't change it. I can't choose my way out of it. I can't feel my way out of it. I probably will never be able to think my way out of it. In fact, I know I won't. I'm not even sure I can believe my way out of it because I believe what I believe. But there's another level here, and that's the foundation of it all. That's my Heavenly Father who only speaks the truth to us, who only leads us in the way that's good for us and others, the ways of righteousness, the ways of holiness. All right, so as I learn from him at our worshiping level, as I worship him, as I get to know him, that's all it means to worship God, is to get to know him and appreciate him and respect him and value him for who he really is. The more I understand God and his approach, what am I getting to understand? I'm getting to understand me because I'm his child. All right, and as he teaches me his way, my beliefs begin to change. That's why Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And how do you get there? By continuing in his word, listening to the things he tells us about life through the Bible, through his Holy Spirit, through the believers around us. Okay, so as we get to know God, he will change our beliefs to match his so that we walk in the truth. And so once I get those new beliefs, I begin to think differently in the situations I face. And I'll still feel about that situation, but I may feel differently. But whether I do or not, I can still choose to do what God would have me do in that situation. Now, that's a growth process. The moment I got saved, the moment you received the Holy Spirit, He didn't just screw the top off your head, jerk out all the wrong knowledge, and put in a bunch of good knowledge and screw the top back on. No, it's a process of growing. Just like when a child is born physically, it's a process of growing up and becoming able to express their humanity in a way that is unique to them, but it's still human. Just as we're born again in Christ, we're growing up into Him and learning to express our new nature by following a new nurture. And that's the topic of our next lesson. You know, what, what happens when we receive God as our Father? When we have someone else that's nurturing us in life. So keep that in mind that whatever you do is actually driven by what you believe and what you believe is driven by who you worship. You know, if we worship ourselves or the world system or any other mixture of gods, if you will, then our beliefs will be mixed with those ideas. And when certain beliefs come online, they will cause us to think and feel and choose to act a certain way. But when we walk in the truth, the Bible says, and in 1 John it says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so it's just a great process that he's leading us to, to learn how to express who we are as a child of God. Well, I will, again, next week, I'll begin to talk about our nurture and how our Father trains us because of His great love for us to walk out our new identity in Christ. Not to become something, but because we are something. A child of God.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your patience, for the fact that you're on the job and you're not going to quit until you finish what you started. You promise in your word that you began a good work in us and you'll bring it to completion. Thank you that we are your workmanship and it's your responsibility to form in us the completeness of what you put in us at the moment of new birth and that you will not fail for any of your children who finish that job. We thank you in Jesus' name.